You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Making of a Marketer, the podcast that takes you around the world of marketing one topic at a time. Hosted by digital marketing consultants Jess Nickerson and Andy Pondillo. We welcome you to join the conversation. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Now here are your hosts, Jess and Andy. Well, it's Thursday and we are back, Jess and Andy. And Jess, you know what season it is? It is, is it allergies or sick season? So I'm powering through a little bit today. I got a little nasal in my voice, but you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm leaning on the 90% sure it's allergies range. You know, I was like, kept waiting for the flu to hit because I was getting some sinus pressure, but it hasn't. So we're here today. We're making it happen. And you know, we're coffeeed up to make it through the, the full podcast. Yes, I, th- I think it's a season for all, Andy. Do you have, you know, that would be, that's a future episode is marketing for cold season. So like, what if we had somebody on from like Robitussin or something like that? And like how they prepare for this? Because, you know, we just got done with holiday season. Like, what if we we're like, how do you ramp up for cold season as a brand? I bet there was seasonality to this in previous days, but now I think it is a year-long thing. Year-long, always on with Robitussin. So yes. there we go. <laughs> I'm going to do a LinkedIn search and find someone as a future guest. But for our guest today, we are really excited today to welcome Reggie James, founder and CEO of Digital Clarity. So um, it's going to be a great discussion for us as we're talking about both the art of business principles and also learning from Reggie how you started Digital Clarity, you know, what your vision is. And congratulations as we welcome you in 20 plus years now uh, running this company. That's a, a feat in itself in modern times. So we're kind of real eager to dig into you know, your specialties, your creativity, and the things you're doing over there. Andy, thank you very much. Um, it's been, it's an absolute honor to be here, uh, and Jess as well. Thank you so much. Yeah, 20 years, it's been quite a, quite a journey. Um, I've got a few war wounds along the way, a few, uh, few highlights and various other things along the way. And it's, uh, yeah, I'm delighted to be here and talk about uh, and share some of my experiences and try and give uh, your viewers and listeners um, some sort of uh, advice and some practical things that they can maybe take and go away with at least uh, certainly some food for thought. 
So let's start with this question right here, Reggie. And I really like to hear this from a founder CEO perspective, because in my opinion, there's nobody more creative in the world because you have to create the thing from scratch. And I think that for a marketer, we always look for playbooks, stats, different things. It's the hardest thing to do, in my opinion, is find something from scratch and improve the value of it later on. It really starts with some creativity. So we always deal with, you know, we get stuck creatively at times. So the question we ask everybody is, what's your method to the madness of how do you get unstuck creatively when you feel a little stuck? Wow, what a question to kick off with. Um yeah, I think when I started the business, uh, there was, for me, a clear direction in terms of there was a huge amount of miscommunication that was going on out there in the market. There was a big shift going back 20 odd years, moving away from traditional advertising, print advertising. And historically, my role, uh, you guys are far too young uh, to remember uh, a search engine called AltaVista, uh, which was uh, is now part of Yahoo, uh, part of Verizon's network. And back in the day, um, this was the brave new world. And it was, but what I could see was a lot of uh, agencies, media planning, buying agencies and their creative departments struggling to understand how they uh, would actually understand, how do they take a TV ad and run it on a on an online platform or how does that even work and how do you pay for things so this was in the early days of um cost per mile cpm models being shaped and everything else like that so you almost sometimes have to take a step back and look at the wider picture i always think of in terms of creativity putting myself in the um the challenge that i answer as person's shoes and looking at it from that way and then deconstructing it breaking it down and almost writing it down in an old-fashioned way and creating almost a um a scribbled kind of uh, doodle pad and then break down a sort of journey and create a narrative from that that allows me to think about uh, what the challenge is for that sort of individual and really we kind of built the business off the back of that by actually thinking it wasn't as 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 um, uh, wonderfully creative as, as I'm kind of trying to make out, but we saw a challenge in that agencies were struggling to develop a plan for this brave new online world and were just buying on CPM. They weren't really looking at return. And it was from that that we actually created a program and ultimately built a piece of technology off the back of it that was used by a lot of the the larger agencies back in the day, uh, or certainly the media departments. And that's how we sort of rolled into it. But I think I think creativity comes in many forms. And I, uh, I feel that you just have to take a bit of a deep breath or a number of deep breaths, look at where the challenge is and deconstruct what's actually there in front of you and just look at it from a number of different angles. That kind of makes sense. Jess, you have said almost the exact same words as Reggie. So I want your take on this, on deconstructing what the user or customer or con you know consumer is looking for and then construct that into your storytelling methods. 
Yes, I Reggie, I'm a major fan of taking pen to paper. And it's something that I do all the time. Also very big into low resolution prototyping. I really do believe that we are all uh, designers and like this is a, an incredible way to unlock your creativity to get unstuck. I, I'm just really curious too. I want to I want to just veer off uh, a little bit from the path because you just you brought up a very good point here around like what the landscape, what the environment was like 20 years ago, moving from print to digital, you know, the the new frontier. And I feel like there's parallels with what's happening today, moving from like this new frontier, even though it's not necessarily new, but moving into AI. So like, what are some of your recommendations on like how marketers can make this transition and uh, they can feel more comfortable making this transition? Again, a very searching question, Jess. Um, yeah, I think. I think. Firstly, just to address your 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 first point that you raised. Yeah, absolutely. Though things are are digital, I think there's there's huge score in the analog type of approach. I think it's so powerful, and I think if you can take a step back and use that uh, and apply that into a digital sphere, if I can use that term things work a hell of a lot better because you see it from both both sides with ai um again it's it's for me there are very strong parallels with lots of other new technologies that came around even when google came around i remember a lot of people saying oh this will this will this will never last what is what, google what kind of name is that uh, all of those kind of things and suddenly everyone was using it a little bit like chat gpt is now and what Google's desperately trying to do with Bard. Um, so I think there is, you know, people in back in the day, and certainly we work in a, in a, in a very technology, uh, you know, um, most of our clients are in the technology space. People used to talk about early adopters. People talked about, um, you know, how you create USPs and various other things like that. A lot of that stuff's been turned on its head you know, AI is here. Um, AI for many people, large language models uh, are being developed by Amazon, by Apple. Apple's just launched one, I think I read yesterday. And it's there, you know, it's flavor of the month. And like all of these things, um, remember Web3 and NFTs? Um, they, they, um, they, there is, a, there is a, a honeymoon period that happens when everyone's suddenly in love with this, 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 uh, amazing brave new world the the difference with what i think with ai um is that i i feel certainly if we look at chat gpt because there's so many different applications for it is that there are um, a whole variety of usable and workable applications in the in the marketing function uh understanding what AI is, understanding that it's not just a thing. It's such a, it's just a, 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 it's a spectrum of things where something like ChatGPT sits on, on one end of that spectrum. And I think for marketers, I mean, there is, there is really no choice. It reminds me a little bit of people who are involved in TV. You cannot look at things in a linear fashion anymore because the way we, our customers move 
they they sit in all different types of areas you know they that really the power is with them uh, irrespective of how we try and work with them and they will engage where they want to engage in their own time in their screen as and when they're ready or not as the case may be um there's lots of you know persuasive things that are happening that happen offline and suddenly you know uh, we're noticing in the b2b world that and we've noticed this for a long time that customers arrive they've made the decision who they're going to use even before they've uh, that, that company's even pitched that that customer the whole um sort of as linkedin call it the 95 five rule only only five percent of companies are in play so even if they're engaging with you they're only interested in your content. They want to learn about you. They're hungry for that information. AI is a good tool to help you create, develop content, ideas, theories. It's not a silver bullet, unfortunately. Um, you know, the, that the, 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 what we've got between our ears is still one of the most powerful and underused tools that exists. We only, I, I think somebody somewhere said we only use about 5% of our brain, if that. Um, I've certainly met a few people who use a lot less than that, um, he says. Um, but it's, it's um, and obviously lots of people have used a hell of a lot more. But I think the reality is, is that, that um, there is a lot to be done with AI. I think we're just scratching the surface. Right now, Davos, or um, I'm pronouncing it in a very British way, um, is on right now, but the good and the great of the world are sitting down. The number one topic right now, whether you're BlackRock, whether you're Ericsson, whether you're, um, you know, Universal Studios, everyone is over there and they're talking about AI. But the number one thing that people are talking about is the not just the excitement of AI, but the the other side, the challenges of AI. AI has a has the ability to become very elitist, the haves and have nots, the rich become richer, the poor become poorer. Uh, technology is already still very divisive in terms of uh, a social construct, in terms of how um, society as a whole benefits from it. And I think AI will have the same challenge. Um, and you could see all these, you know, guys and girls in their you know shiny suits and uh, uh <clears throat> coiffured sort of hair um talking you know waxing lyrical about ai and everything else on like that but i think the the interesting thing is because people do have a bit more of a social conscience they are looking also at the not the dangers of ai but but understanding where there is a line and that this is not some panacea that's going to uh that's going to just um, solve everything that there is. I think it has the potential to do so much in health, in um, in sort of solving lots of other problems because of the the data that it stores. But for marketers, understanding it, going on a course, getting familiar with it, trialing it, you know, you cannot learn to ride a bike in a classroom. You can't. You have to get on it fall off mm -hmm. get the grazers take the stabilizers off and go and i think that's the i think for many people they're just looking at it from a from a distance and i think you need to really dive in
and, and understand. And I think we're talking about it now. It'd be great to do this again in maybe 12 months yeah. from now and just actually see where where we are with this and whether it's just another sort of bored ape NFT sitting in a... I, oh, no, it won't be. I know it won't be. Um, but um, but yes, boy, what the, if I'd have known what Bitcoin was five years ago. Uh, I'd be having another conversation, but uh, but yeah. So yeah, so all these things come around in circles. And for me, as a seasoned uh, marketer, as a seasoned business person, uh, possibly like yourselves, um, these things go in cycles. And there's been numerous cycles that have happened over the years, especially in marketing, and um, you know, social media, the you know, the 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 glory days of, of people just just wanting likes and things like that. It, it just wasn't engaging enough. So yes. So that's a very roundabout sort of answer to your question. So forgive me if I if I went off on a tangent. The 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 advice you give Reggie about um, marketers kind of relearning expertise, like I think that that is such a common theme that I've seen. My perspective is entering the marketing world through both broadcast and social media. So I'm like. OG social media days, 2010 days at a very, very early to what we see yeah, it yeah. growing to now. But I think of the the way we've evolved, you know, it became early on someone who kind of was more journalistic in nature. It was a lot about the writing, the content. Then we became video producers. And until we all learned video, people were shooting the Blair Witch Project. Then we were um, live streamers on Facebook Live. Then we were paid ad specialists. And there was large teams when it used to be one person. We're man you know, we go from being a content person to now managing hundreds of thousands of dollars of budget on social. So I think it's another evolution. But what I've seen, especially with things like TikTok um, becoming, you know, as big as it has, is those who have gotten into it early and mastered it early, but through trial and error, have been the ones that I've seen succeed the quickest. And I think that really segues nicely into a piece that you wrote, and it's about um, the blurred lines of B2C and B2B marketing. So that's something that Jess and I touch on a lot. We consult companies in, in both spaces, and sometimes we try to find these parallels, whether it be creative messaging, storytelling, and how it may not be as radically different as we think, but sometimes we treat these sectors of marketing so differently. So you talk about that human experience when it comes to marketing in this article. So I want you to kind of elaborate on what is human marketing in your eyes and maybe take it back to digital clarity. What do you do to really humanize something that can be extremely robotic in the marketing world? Sure. So when the company first started out, we were like many uh, so-called uh, digital agencies, we were very, we were in the UK, we were one of the first uh, pay-per-click agencies. When I, I mentioned AltaVista, the team at AltaVista in the UK, um, the, the, the lady who sat next to me at my office um, was employee number one or two at Google. Um, a lot of the team at AltaVista, you know, ended up working at YouTube getting involved with all those different things. So we had a very um, sort of good understanding of, of, of what was going on back in the day. 
The reality of, um, and the reason I say that is because we were at the time were looking after lots of different clients, consumer-based clients, a lot of e-commerce clients, a lot of, um, and, and as well as B2B clients. And um, and there's a story that, 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 I'll, that I'll maybe touch on at some point um, about how we got into B2B, but... Um, but again, it doesn't, we, well, it kind of matters in one regard, but really the skill sets that we have really apply to all because it is very much human to human. Any messaging that you write either to a mass is not really going to engage. And really understanding, getting deep into the psyche of not just your audience, but creating content that really resonates with the people that you want to resonate, getting people curious about who you are, getting people to um, understand their own challenges and their own problems that they have in a different way is, um, is one of the areas that we look at. So it's not an easy thing to do because you're, but it's all about education. And that's how we work over here, is that we try and educate, firstly, our teams internally. Secondly, we, we educate and inform our clients. Uh, our biggest um, challenge with clients that we work with is getting them to think differently because they still, um, it's, it, new ways, it's, it's almost like kryptonite to them, like, oh, I can't, I can't deal with it. Uh, because they're used to, they want to go back to their comfort blanket. They want to go back to the way things were. They they know email or they know they know trade shows or whatever it might be, and they want to go back to that. They're safe there. All the all the buddies are there. All the friends are there. They want to go there. So this this new thing, you know, what, what's this new uh, AI? All these other things is is it, it's it's very so. So we go about educating, informing, nurturing our clients. And then get them to do something similar with their uh, with their audience, and that's how we try and help them. Now, that's part of a strategy. Most companies that that we speak to have a full, they have a plan or, or a series of plans. In certain situations, um, they have a, their plan is a series of to do lists. Um, and that is really not going to get you anywhere. Um, so it's you have to go through the painful process of taking a step back, looking at who you are, looking at who you really are, and really who you serve, who you want to be, why you want to do that. All those difficult questions that seem very easy. And then devise a strategy or, or something robust around it. In the B2B world, we're surrounded by three-letter sort of acronyms and various other things, you know, GTM, ABM, SDRs, um, and people just bandy these things around like the, you know, um, and and I think the reality for us is we have to take a step back and, and get our clients to be less prescriptive, get them to do the work, but be holistic help them to understand that so many different things are joined up and it's not just one linear path. And that you've got to, you know, they want the six pack in, you know, next week, but they're not willing to get up at 5 a.m. and do the run. 
or do a swim at the weekend or do the change their diet or all these other things. Um, I'm using some terrible analogies here, but what I'm trying to say is, is that it's a painful, pro you, you have to embrace the pain, um, but that from that pain, you learn so much. And I think all of us as, as entrepreneurs, as, as, um, as business strategists, as, as creatives, we, we see, a um, we see so much in that pain. And the pain is 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 really where, where the good stuff is. That's where the good stuff is. Not the sweet stuff, but the good stuff. And that's where all the ideas come from. It's when you think, right, oh gosh, this is tough. That failed. You know, that campaign just bombed. What were we thinking of? But the first version of anything is really the right thing. You know, it's it's um so yeah, so that's how we that's how we kind of approach things. Uh, I don't know if any of that resonates with, with you guys. Uh, yes, absolutely. You're speaking my language again. I, I absolutely love it. So I, embrace the pain. That could be my new motto for 2024. I So I do have a lot of questions off of your thoughts and perspective. Just a lot of times we hear from B2B customers uh there's a you know there there is a lack of confidence and then again there's that that fear of investing in the like the the holistic journey and most specifically branding because a lot of it is you know we're we're tied to these KPI or uh, KPIs we're tied to revenue so that we need to focus on the bottom of the funnel from what you're talking about it sounds like a lot of the focus is on like the branding, the education. Uh, how are you having these conversations with customers that are, are very hesitant to to adjust their investment or uh, you know focus more maybe on upper funnel activities to get these customers not only into the funnel but uh, engaged? Um, yeah. Um, again. These these are these are challenging. Uh, you know, what once you once you have found that there is a that you have a fit. So, so one of the first things we do in any kind of discovery when you first meet someone, uh, we spend a lot of time getting under the skin of who whether we are the right fit for each other, because everyone wants you know it's 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 available change is available to everyone, but it's not for everyone in the sense that I hope that makes sense in the sense that people everyone wants to do something but they're not willing to 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 make that shift because they they want a quick fix they want something automated or or something like that but the way the way we have to approach things is to say that sometimes you really don't have a choice if you're if you're a brand and you want to understand what you're going to call yourself at some point, you're going to have to say, you know, what is our website going to look like? What materials are we going to give our sales team? Um, what kind of structure should we follow? What's our guiding principles? What's our, you know, what, are, what do we stand for? What's the tone we should adopt? What are these, um, what's the communication we should be doing internally and externally? Um, sometimes, you know, brand is really all you have. And you have to, or, or, or everything is is brand. It's what they, it's what people say about you. It's what makes people buy. It's the emotive thing. So, so in many ways, but it's brand with all these other different added elements now. 
it's it's your it's your it's your value proposition you know what what is it really that you do who do you serve how do you, and and defining a really strong value proposition for me um is is really the bedrock of it's the one thing that makes people really understand who they are and in, it's also if we do it in in certain sessions it's the penny dropping moment for for many companies especially for product launches um it can save a lot of time and heartache uh if you really uh, if you're going to launch something into a market and you haven't really gone into it and you sit down with someone like you know a team like us we would you know we would ask the questions that they possibly haven't thought about because they're very good at doing what they do and you sometimes need to have um uh you need to put your intellectual side you know to bed sometimes you because some that 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 can get in the way of pure creativity because you're already creating barriers because you're thinking well they're not going to go for that that's too basic well guess what some of the simplest things we have are the best things and um you know i i'm not saying anything groundbreaking but in the real world it's very hard because we need to have a, a level of intellectual humility to actually achieve great things and if you can get your you know your customers uh, or and certainly in, in, in my case, the clients and convince them that you've got to think differently to be differently. If you want different results, then that's how we sort of approach that. But yeah. So Reggie, you really resonate me from this, a, the agency side, because that's the majority of what my background is in. So a perspective that I have as a veteran social media specialist, I've had uh, direct paths to either VP or CEO level at pre previous agencies. And sometimes they would consult me as we bring in a new client, um, traditionally in the B2B or higher education space. You know, Andy, what did you see when you audited to their account? Where do they need to pivot? Sometimes what I see is there might be a structural issue with how they're being shown. And um, I might be like, I think if we do a few things and tweaks three months and we could reverse engineer this thing, we might get in a positive place. There was other times I came in major creative issues. Like I'm being like up front. I'm like, we're talking like overhaul. If we don't overhaul everything from the ground up, there's going to be an issue later on that we're just going to keep redoing. So what I would fight for when I audited accounts is a lot of times I would say we need a three to six to even sometimes longer than that run frame before they come back and say, hey, where's the ROI? Even if I get a well-oiled machine going for six months with very high quality leads, an $80,000 SaaS product, we're going to need a lot of time to show ROI. Um, mm. on that product. So what I would often ask for is we need to tell the clients that don't expect revenue during this time period. Andy's got a structure where he's going to fly it in tests. And after this period, we'll have the runway to go forward. And, you know, at that point, there's hundreds of thousands of dollars that have been used. I've heard clients say the word wasted before. I say that there is no such thing as wasted if you're working with the right people because they're making the adjustments. So that's just a scenario from my side. But from your side, mm. I'm curious, in this world where there's a lot of immediacy, 
what is that secret sauce for you as an agency to retain clients, keep them happy and meet those KPIs long-term? And then it meets your mm. KPIs because you're able to keep that retainment relationship, you know, past like the first or second cycle. I think, again, it just boils down to trust. I, I think really with, with if this is why we spend so much time at the front end before we do anything, you, we, you know, we have a, a fairly, uh, it's always evolving, but we have a fairly robust um, process that we've developed uh, just before the pandemic. We made a decision to go pure play B2B. Uh, we we, uh, we knew that that market was very badly served. There was a lot of BS around that marketplace. You know, you were tripping up over ads saying, you know, can you handle 10 more leads this week? Can your inbox, you know, all this kind of stuff, which you used to see in the consumer space. And then suddenly B2B um, companies, certainly, certainly in the tech SaaS kind of space, were being bombarded with this, this kind of quick fix, this kind of uh, quick hit, you know, that the kind of uh, heroin uh, type of, uh, sorry, a, a cocaine type of hit. Where uh, so I'm getting my my class A drugs mixed up there, but it's 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 absolutely um, uh, imperative that the um, that you you instill that within them. You you almost have to. For me, I always say, um, not always say, but you're almost saying it, it, it's you have to be counterintuitive in the sense that you have to say you're not going to get there, you because you're not going to be willing to put in the time and the effort and the energy and the dollars and the everything else to do it. Because if you did, you'd either have been exploring it already, but if there is a there is a key to this, there is a reason why 5% of companies or the Pareto principle, the 80-20, but, but in real, realistic terms, it is a very, very small niche. There are principles. If you look at all of those successful companies, they follow quite similar paths. The answers are there, you know, everything we've ever, wanted to know has been written in a book somewhere um, and they're all there but it's whether we're willing to do that that only the five percent that only that they are willing to do so it's never a quick fix but it's the first step it's it's getting there that's going to be that, that we try and help those our clients do they, they're not they, unless they think differently and we have to encourage them to think differently uh, they're never going to never going to get there. And, and, I, and I also believe that the blocks and barriers that are there are sometimes within themselves. The answers are within themselves. I'm getting slightly spiritual here, but but there are these building blocks. It's not just one internal. It's not just one thing. You cannot achieve great things without changing your mindset. But your mindset cannot be changed. You cannot think differently. Um, and I don't want to sort of butcher any kind of Steve Jobs uh, quotes or anything like that, but but really thinking differently is one of the keys that we try and do with our with our team. So so we could, like like you and the uh, absolutely great stuff doing the audit, looking at all the KPIs. Gonna what we do is we get them to talk about that and actually look at it upside down in a way which is very difficult. And to actually say, what do you think about this? Why do you think this is happening? I'm not going to, the, the answers are, 
the answers are actually in here. They're right there, but you can't always see them. And and I think the ability that that the three of us have, uh, without being overtly arrogant, is that we can, you know, certain people look at spreadsheets and they can see patterns and numbers. And a lot of people, all they just see is, you know, just, just some linear things or dots. Um, we can see trends um, when we look at the bigger picture. We can see what's happened. We've been here before. Things are constantly changing. And I think it's it's really up to, I think we have a duty when we're talking to clients to really, um, as, as best practice, to tell them to, you know, you're not going to achieve anything. Forget about me or whoever you use, um, but you're not going to achieve anything unless you're brave enough to make some changes about the way you think and the way you approach this. And if you're willing to do that and genuinely, uh, you know, um, find your authentic self and the soul of your business, then you can, you, you may, you just may achieve what you want to achieve in a realistic way. Miriam Webster's word of the year, uh, 2023 was, was authentic because, you know, with AI and deep fakes and everything else like that, people are looking for something that's real. And I think that's that's one area that just one of a number of areas that one can focus on. So that's how we try and encourage our customers, our, our potential clients to say, you've got a choice. You can go and do the same thing that you've been doing again and again. And be, you know, the stop start kind of marketing that people do. Hey, that didn't work. Or let's do a LinkedIn campaign, you know, or you can take a step back and do something differently. But doing something differently involves a completely different approach. I love it, Reggie. You're thinking grand scheme, you know, and something that we talk about a lot on this show is kind of level setting, doing the right thing for the customer, thinking this from a macro approach. And, and sometimes it just takes that slow down and those difficult conversations. This podcast actually has been empowering to us in a way. It's almost a reminder because you almost have to tell yourself that all the time and not just go down the rabbit hole of doing something wrong because you think it's what you're supposed to do. Then it sets the dominoes the, the wrong direction. I do have one more question for you. I know we're nearing time here. Uh, sure. So final question for you, Reggie. Um, changing gears a little bit. Is someone in your shoes, founder and CEO of Digital Clarity, for somebody out there, maybe in a digital marketing space or, you know, startup, entrepreneur, someone that's looking to start something, start their own thing, like what advice would you give to somebody in 2024 that's looking to make that jump into starting their own company? Wow. Um <laughs> That's a great question. I, I think in many ways, um, you have to find something that you're passionate about and just start, you know, learn, because nine times out of 10, you'll find it was the wrong thing. But uh, you you just have to start. There's It's very rare for anyone. Um, it's the exception, you know, and certainly not the rule that you start something and become a success. I think it was a Ms. Stone. I'm trying to remember that one of the founders of Twitter who said, you work hard for 10, 12 years and everyone says you're an overnight success. And I think that the advice that I would give, that there is no quick fix. There is no fast route to getting to where you want to, where you want to go. 
um, and what you want to achieve. And the joy is not reaching the end. The joy is the journey, the journey of learning, the journey of what we just talked about, Jess, the pain and finding beauty in that pain, um, pain, the challenges, you know, and all the different other um, superlatives for, for that uh, space. But that that's where it is because it, it toughens you up so and you find what you're looking for it's it's it, there is no compass really um for you to find your sort of well there is but the, but you know finding your north star is is not it's a series of mishaps it's a series of adventures it's the uh, it, you know it's the, as paul Cahillo says in the alchemist it's a journey you know you are absolutely going on that journey enjoy it embrace it um, throw yourself into it, immerse yourself into it, and be prepared to fail. And if you're going to fail, fail big, because you'll learn more. And just keep going, never give up. So I love it. Helps. Fail big like that. You know, it, it's just again, Reggie, great to hear um, someone as successful as yourself that has built this company that has done it for over twenty years. I think for our listeners, what we hear not only from our listeners, but companies that Jess and I consult regularly is there's just, you know, real tentative, you know, afraid to take leaps right now in marketing. It's, you know, the macro pressures that are out there. There's so many people that they have these great ideas, but they're bound um, to something that doesn't allow them to do it. And, you know, I am someone that have worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and I'm just fascinated by what gave them that oomph to take the risk. So I think it was, again, a good reminder from your side. Um, and if for our listeners, again, um, Reggie James, founder, CEO, Digital Clarity, check you out on LinkedIn. And obviously, if you are in the marketing world looking for some help, you know, check out Digital Clarity as well, a plug uh, for the agency. But that is all the time we have for today, Reggie. This was extremely insightful for Jess and I. And I, I know I probably speak for you, Jess, but I think it it gives us some power in some of the things we've been teaching. It's just good to hear it again and the wisdom that you bring to the table. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Reggie, for sharing your perspective. It, thank you very much, Andy, Jess. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'd love to do it again at some point in the future. It's been uh, equally um, interesting and it's some wonderful insight from yourselves. So thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you. Most definitely. We look forward to speaking again, Reggie. Take care. Bye-bye. So Jess, another excellent discussion today uh, with Reggie, and I could see you on the other side kind of just being like, yes, 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 like so many of the terms and things that you talk about, like one of your, one of Jess's words for our listeners out there, I don't know how much you say it on the podcast, but it is something you say when we're in team meetings is deconstructing, deconstruction, or, you know, something along those terms. I think Reggie really talked about that, getting the client, the co consumer to talk about what are their needs and letting that be an open forum for all of us in the marketing room to, to go from that and then start to build our strategy once we deconstruct some of those, you know, notions that we had prior. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, Reggie highlighted so many incredible 
insightful points. Uh, another thing that I think he really uh, just emphasized is the the journey going from an idea to a product and service. I mean, you're not just going to have that brilliant idea and then the next day it's going to be this market ready product or service. So I just, I love like through, through the learnings, through the perspective, he really emphasized that point quite well. Mm -hmm. And that's something. So an example I have just as I worked um, for a client that was a global client. So part of the ask that came to our agency is our product runs in North America, EMEA, and APAC regions, plus looking to do expansion. So the first thing I thought is, you know, hey, there's a brand story there, uh, obviously, but we're talking about transferring over with different products to different cultures on different platforms. So we divided this strategy up into all these budgets and different places where it was running. And I, it was kind of that exact thing I told you is that, hey, you know, if we're entering new regions, we're just breaking through complete test grounds right now. So I, I don't have any possible way to say, um, if you spend X, you'll make Y. So that was something to where, you know, if I could be empowered to like say, we need this amount of test run for here, and we need to test in this language and test this type of creative. Those are the things that you have to start to learn. And I think that's what agencies struggle with the most is like, how do you build a cohesive conversation of, of what timeframes you need to learn, discover, and really learn together? Because even your best agency partner could be 20 years, 15 years in a the game. They may not have all the answers, but you trust that they're smart enough to find that answer. Mm hmm. And something else that Reggie to that point and what Reggie really highlighted it as well is like I, I can now feel the the pain of of the customer of the business person and in, in more detail because you think about it from a young age. And this is not a knock on the uh, our educational system and the, these institutions, because I mean, I, I work for one. I freaking love it. So but you think about it from a young age, we are taught to think a certain way, like to, and we've talked about this before, like you have to have the right answer. Two plus two equals four, two plus two does not equal Y. So when you're thinking about that and Reggie just kept emphasizing, like, you know, you want to change, but you really have to put in that effort and you have to really think differently i think that is one of the biggest hurdles and it's like if we can can make that leap and think differently then that's really when you're going to make those changes build those innovations create and and move forward the way that you want to move forward and it takes some deconstruction. You're exactly right, Jess, because, you know, it, you go through school, you add 18 plus four or so years in college or 18, um, 12 plus four or so years in college, 16, 17 years, you know, of schooling. It's going to take some reverse engineering, even in a marketing program. You think of a marketing program for your degree, you're doing tests and written assignments. You're being told what is right, what is wrong. And you get into what I like to call the game all the time of marketing. You get into this game. The only rules of the game 
is if your brand resonates with an audience or not. Does it, you know, create revenue long form or not? There could be so many ways to doing it. I mean, we see companies, I did a post on um, LinkedIn a while back talking about being viral. There's so many people, for instance, that demonize the strategy of going viral. And it's like some like, you know, taboo marketing strategy. Uh, there are companies that are very successful companies because they had a couple week viral moment and it got them over to hump and they're very successful now. So, but I'm not saying that's the right way for everybody, but saying there's just like a multitude of ways. So I feel like, you know, if you're coming to a consultant, an agency, you're working with digital media partners and they have a little bit of a different flair of how they think about things. You have to trust in who you're partnering with that they have the idea that might get you there. And that still involves teamwork. It involves, hey, if there's a different creative strategy, they're working with creatives to get there. They're working with organic or paid media partners to get there. So it doesn't mean they come in and kind of like bully the campaign. But I just think, you know, we have to be open to a lot of different visions um, or otherwise the game takes you over because if you just rely on paid media the way that game works is it never gets cheaper. It only gets more expensive as there's more market competition and saturation. So TV, radio, magazines, billboards, now looking into digital, they start off at a lower price point at the beginning, but the CPLs and CP whatevers are inevitably usually, they're almost always going to go up because that's just how the game works. So you have to kind of always be reverse engineering how you break through with the different platforms. Mm hmm. And these are the 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 human marketing principles that Reggie was mentioning in uh, many moments of his story. So, yes, you're right. The, the the trust piece. I mean, trust is really the key to build authentic, authentic, authenticity. It's a authenticity. Tough Thank you. <laughs> And you're thinking about the, you're thinking about like the, you know, these, these human to human connections. And so the same can be, so it's like you have got these human to human connections to increase the collaboration, increase the teamwork and uh, create a better outcome. The same goes for brands. Like, for, so you, you got to have that, that different type of thinking when you're putting out your branding strategy or your marketing campaigns, because it really comes down to building that trust with the customer. And I think when we look at this, this whole conversation, so authenticity, huge conversation, changing media right now, things like creator world, influencers, UGC, they're all common words. They weren't very common in 2019 because I think we ended we we had this weird era in social media, digital media, where everything started getting billboardy, in my opinion. Like it was just like this boom of the ad era. Now it's reversing back a little bit. But I think what we're going to look at when we teach the history course, and in just you and I are both instructors on the side. I do teach social media history, and we're always rewriting it. We're gonna look at this era in the history that TikTok was so popular, in my opinion, 
because it brought everything back to lower resolution, more organic, more one-to-one, more human-to-human. And it showed this creative strategy is that people didn't want all the green screens and actors and things like that anymore. They wanted to get back to authenticity. You mix that in with, I think, COVID played a large role that people wanted happy and authentic again after a lot of the noise those years created. And then here we are. You know, I think that these are our rules that history repeats itself. It's why reality shows in the early 2000s were so popular. Survivor, real world, like junk TV somewhat, but it's people wanted to see real. And I think that's been true for branding and marketing a lot, but we see it come and go in cycles. Yes. You make me think about when you were talking about the, the, the marketing journey and how we've gone from print to to internet or online to digital to to video and the last thing to podcasters so now we're all becoming podcasters as well so what's next after the podcasting andy i'm trying to think like what what are we going to evolve next from this because if history repeats itself if you think about it podcasting could almost be like radio on broadcast Mm -hmm. It can. And there we're already seeing those merge. So we're seeing podcasts that are actually popping up on radio stations. There's podcasts that have become ESPN shows that are multi-million dollar deals. It's a it's a huge, huge market. You know, maybe it just all leads itself uh just to you and I hosting uh Marketing Island, the <laughs> popular marketing reality show. Will people choose to stay on the marketing team and complete the campaign? Um or will they follow their passion? Like that's going to be the big ask, you know, as they try to work their way through Marketing Island. I I, I could see it. You you don't have to sell me, Andy. Yes. But yeah, let's keep talking about it. Yes. But that's all the time we have for today. Again, Reggie James, big thank you. Um, we titled this episode Art of Driving Business Growth. But I think it was just as much of Art of Driving personal growth within the marketing world too. So I think it really doubled on both. Again, be sure to check out Digital Clarity if you're in the market looking for an agency. I'm sold with Reggie's philosophy, so I hope you are too. And then as usual, we'll be back again soon for our next marketing topic. Bye. Bye, everyone. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.